Dr. Vince Gutierrez here from MovementThinker.org. Today's podcast is going to discuss a case study that um, was performed in Australia, which if you're not aware, it's more of a socialized medicine country. So we all have our own opinions regarding socialized medicine, but uh, let's just look at some of the research from countries that provide socialized medicine. This article is based on the system in Australia. First quote, 34-year-old male referred by his GP, also known as a primary care physician, to the orthopedic outpatient department for a carpal tunnel. The PT referred the patient back to the GP and suggested that the GP organize nerve conduction studies to confirm carpal tunnel syndrome before the patient would be offered an appointment with the surgeon. Seeing a physiotherapist to help clarify the diagnosis and see if the symptoms would respond to conservative treatment. All right, so that's a mouthful to start off with. There's some major differences between the Australian system and the U.S. system. The PT is the gatekeeper to see the surgeon. The PT's opinion or consultation was taken seriously, and the patient was sent back to the primary physician to order the test before seeing the surgeon. Keeping it simple, therapists do therapy. PTs do physical therapy. Chiropractors do chiropractic. Surgeons do surgery. It is wasteful to send a patient to a surgeon if the patient does not need surgery. It is not efficient to send a patient to a surgeon to order more tests. Also, the PT would help to clarify the diagnosis. For a long time, therapists in the U.S. have been treated like technicians, only capable of performing the treatments that the physicians deemed appropriate. This is simply not the case anymore. We are a doctoring profession. Not that this in and of itself places us on a pedestal, but some of us continue to expand our knowledge base and have become professionals at both movement and classification of patients. This is to be respected, sought after, and rewarded, not necessarily monetarily, but at least with more opportunities to demonstrate our abilities. Next quote. Initially assessed by another outpatient physiotherapist, computer worker with a four to five year history of altered sensation in the left upper limb, including numbness, pins and needles, and pain in the hand, thumb, and pain around the lateral aspect of the elbow, gradually worsening, using his left hand less and less in everyday activities. By the by, this was session one, which we will call day one in this case study. Again, the body is a roadmap. Symptoms that are referred to the hand can come from anywhere that sends information to the hand. So let's break it down in layman's terms. When you flip the switch on a lamp and the light doesn't turn on, what's the problem? You know, first, the light bulb may be burned out. This is akin to the muscles not working appropriately or a problem at the location of the visual or perceived problem. In this case study, the hand. The problem could also be the power cord. This is similar to a problem coming from a nerve that travels to the hand up to the neck, from the hand up to the neck. Any of the nerves that supply the hand could be mm, frayed, maybe, for the lack of a better term, but uh, they could be impaired. Okay, we'll just use that term. Finally, the cord could be unplugged. You know, if the lamp is not plugged into the wall, the light doesn't go on. In this case, the electricity isn't even making it to the power cord. This is similar to a problem with the neck. If the brain can't send the signal appropriately to the power cord, then the hand won't work correctly. This is obviously becoming a problem for this particular patient as he is slowly de-emphasizing the use of his left hand. The next quote, full active and passive range of motion, left shoulder flexion produce pins and needles in the left hand. When a patient raises his or her arm overhead, most people can see how the muscles work 
at the shoulder joint and they must be doing something right so like if you raise your arm overhead must be a muscle controlling that what people don't see is how this plays on the nerves of the body when a patient reaches forward this can pull on some of the nerves and can sometimes increase the patient's symptoms next quote session two which was two weeks later non-dermatomal distribution of hand symptoms the presence of night pain that consistently disturbed the patient's sleep all right so we start thinking red flags right um in your head when you start hearing that patient sleep is disturbed you should have that that's that jaws theme music for those of you that are a little uh, younger and may not know red flags are really bad okay non-dermatomal means that the symptoms don't match the roadmap of the spine if the problem is coming from one location it would typically refer to one location of the hand if the problem is coming from multiple locations then it would refer to multiple locations in the hand the simplest solution is typically the correct solution two separate lesions in the spine occurring at the same time is not the most likely solution this would indicate that there could be a space occupying lesion something taking space in the in the neck um, in that spinal cord region second the patient is waking during the night due to symptoms this could also be a red flag and you know there are other um, issues that could cause patients to wake up during the night such as infections and cancer so this is two weeks later and the suspicion of non-mechanical pain is introduced so non-mechanical pain infections tumors this is where the timeline starts to play a role between socialized medicine and US healthcare for those that don't know this topic is close to my heart I'm currently working on a paper for submission regarding a similar topic it's been denied a couple times but that's all right um, you know I'll see if I can get anything done <laughs> after 10 repetitions of full active range of motion had been restored in all directions the upper limb tension test was pain-free and full range of motion with both median and radial bias okay MDT is also known as mechanical diagnosis and therapy if you've been listening to this podcast long enough you'll know that I have a certification also known as credentialed in MDT okay the mechanical portion of this means that what happens to the patient when we move the patient right in this case the patient's mechanics otherwise known as ability to move improved in all directions the upper limb tension tests pulling on the nerves to test their irritability had improved after performing retraction and extension when we see that a patient is improving with the treatment we first assume that whatever we did actually helped the patient I mean why wouldn't we right it's not like we think that we're special but we do our best to be objective and not bias the patient to say that this treatment made them better if the patient improves well then part of the puzzle is solved if the patient tells me that they improved but actually didn't then I did a poor job of establishing teamwork because that patient may believe that they need to please me right and that's that, that there's research on that there has to be that open communication between the patient and the therapist some research actually shows that the patient will tell the therapist what they want to hear instead of what is true I hope it doesn't happen to me but you know what I'd be fooling myself if I said it didn't as a therapist I can't help you 100% if the patient is not 100% truthful all right now back to the case session three was one year later or, sorry one week later had reduced elbow pain during the day and no elbow pain at night fewer pins and needles but the numbness in the fingers was unchanged numbness in the hand remained unchanged 
This podcast is meant for educational purposes only. The views expressed during this podcast are that of the creator, Dr. Vince Gutierrez, and do not reflect the views of the authors that are cited during the podcast. Again, this is for educational and entertainment purposes only. If you have a physical limitation or a pain, please seek out a licensed professional. Thank you for listening. At this point, we are at three weeks in the third session. Don't get me wrong, I like this style of therapy in which the patient is given a homework assignment and then returns to the clinic for the PT problem solving to begin. Our current system has the patient coming to therapy two to three times a week for typically four to six weeks. I'm sorry, but if we look at normal healing for most musculoskeletal issues, it can take up to six weeks. So think about that. We know that it could take up to six weeks to treat an injury, and you will be coming to therapy for up to 12 visits, and still not enough time has passed in order for the injury to heal. We know this, but as I've stated in previous blog posts, previous podcasts, healthcare is a business. It's big business. There's a lot of money here. Anyway, back to the case. The patient's numbness is unchanged at the end of the session, but all else is better. At this point, the therapist has to start to think that the numbness is non-mechanical, meaning it's not movement-based, and start doing differential diagnoses internally as to why the numbness remains unchanged. Next quote, session four, two weeks later, patient reports a bad week as the patient had intermittently increased left arm pain after sneezing and coughing, and the numbness was unchanged. We're now at week five, and the patient is unchanged. One of the red flags that is in the research, um, I believe it's a Bill Boisenault article, uh, don't quote me on it, but I'm pretty sure it's a Boisenault, is no improvement following 30 days of treatment. At this point, medical assessment should be advised and the patient should be scheduled for that consultation with the surgeon. Session five, four days later, a little better after previous session, ongoing numbness in the left fingers, an appointment was arranged with an orthopedic surgeon. Requested that an MRI of the cervical spine, also known as the neck, to investigate the possibility of a spinal canal foraminal narrowing to examine the possibility of a compressive lesion or space-occupying lesion. So we're now six weeks in. In America, this would be about, sorry, in the United States of America, this would be about 12 to 18 sessions instead of five sessions like they saw in Australia. We would still be at the same endpoint. But the cost savings in Australia would be equal to about $1,300 over the course of the episode. Healthcare is a business, so return on investment has to be looked at. We get reimbursed roughly $100 a session from Medicare, maybe 94 ish And so it makes sense that the cost of healthcare continues to increase when a patient is coming into therapy based on traditional treatment paradigms at three times a week for four to six weeks instead of current evidence or even best practice. Now the patient is finally moved along in the healthcare system. Something to note is that the PT can request the MRI in order to look at foraminal stenosis or space-occupying lesions. This is um, in Australia. Session six, two weeks later, symptoms were generally worse in the evening and better during the day. Numbness and pins and needles in the hand were intermittent. Two months out and the patient is waiting to see the surgeon and get an MRI. This is the downfall of socialistic medicine. If this is something very serious, then the patient had waited two months for the MRI. Is there a right answer? I don't know, but I know that our healthcare system is broken and a shift to a more conservative type of healthcare may be worth a shot. Next quote. Surgeon's clinic approximately three and a half weeks after the last physiotherapy session. Oh, physiotherapy is called physiotherapy across the world. In the U.S., it's called physical therapy. I don't know. I can't wrap my head around it. 
but sometimes you'll see it referred to as physio, other times physical therapy. Getting back to the quote. MRI of the neck and nerve conduction studies of the left arm were ordered. MRI four weeks later, abnormality of the entire cervical cord. Solid cystic mass within the cervical cord from C4 to C6. Excision of tumor approximately four weeks later. So this patient had a huge tumor. This accounts for the symptoms extending in such a large location as the tumor can affect multiple nerve roots. Again, think multiple electrical outlets from varying locations in the house, causing symptoms into various light bulbs or various portions of the hand. Again, let's look at the timetable. We are now about three months out from session one. The patient is finally in surgery. I've seen a similar presentation in practice a couple of times, and you know they, they weren't all favorable. I say this from experiences. I've had two patients that, um, that had non-favorable um, results from a presentation like this, but it was caught well before three months you know, from, from physical therapy. The patient in this case survived, and his symptoms were improved after surgery. Next quote, the wait to see the surgeon was a reflection of the large caseload within the orthopedic surgeon's outpatient clinic. The wait for the initial MRI was due to the prioritization system used by the medical imaging department to manage demand for so-called non-urgent musculoskeletal MRIs. When everyone has the same insurance, everyone has the same access to healthcare. When everyone has the same access, there are not enough practitioners to go around and systems need to be developed to handle the, the overload of patients coming into the healthcare system. The U.S. is looking at implementing a, um, a healthcare for everyone type system. This is going to be one of the problems that we run into. I'm not saying that it can't be handled. I'm just saying it's one of the problems that we're going to run into. We started seeing this with the impact of Obamacare. There were so many more patients coming into the system the past two years that it was not uncommon to have a two-week wait to see the PT for the initial evaluation. So, again, the, the moral of the story is when everyone has the same right to health care or the same access to health care, then no one has the same freedoms as they did previously unless they choose to pay a portion of their health care out of pocket, which happens in some of the European countries. This is doing what's best for society, and sometimes it's at the cost of the individual. More people will be insured and have access to treatment. That's awesome. But if I'm the person that has a spinal tumor and I had to wait three months for treatment, I wouldn't think it's so awesome. So, yeah, this is where we're going right now with the Medicare for All. I'd love to hear all of the details. If you guys can comment below, I'd love to know what you know because the system has flaws. I'm not sure if the system can't be overcome or the flaws can't be overcome, but the system does have flaws. The quotes were taken from shock i'm sure i'm murdering this name s-c-h-o-c-h-p cervical spine tumor presenting as unilateral upper limb symptoms in the international journal of mechanical diagnosis and therapy in 2009 um, if you're interested in receiving a spine evaluation you can always find me on facebook um, you can give me a call uh, you can contact me on Movement Thinker. More than happy to do an evaluation, especially if you're being seen in therapy at some place that's treating you three times a week and you're not getting any better. Thanks for listening.